1: Of IBUS, the animal care and welfare podcast by Animal Concepts and the Practical Animal Welfare Science, the PAUSE platform. I'm your host, Sabrina Brando, and today I am delighted to welcome Sarah van Herpt, who is the senior bear team manager at Animals Asia in Vietnam. Welcome, Sarah.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk about bears.
1: Yes, very much looking forward to this podcast. Because it's going to be all about bears, bear stories, bear friendships, bears, you know, all kinds of mischief and uh, wonderful other stories. So I'm really looking forward uh, to hearing all about it. And, um, you know, of course, we're going to link to Animals Asia and the Sanctuary and also Facebook page. So you can see, you know, the bears and photos and videos, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. But uh, Sarah, before we start with bear stories, can you talk a little bit, uh, a short introduction to yourself and how you came to uh, the job that you're working in?
0: Um, I'm from New Zealand originally, um, and I used to work um, in Wellington Zoo. Um, So I have experience both as a zookeeper and as a zoo vet nurse. And I kind of got to the point in my career where I didn't have... Um, anything sort of tying me to New Zealand, no house, no partner, no children so I decided I would go have an adventure and I was really lucky um, that kind of around the time that I decided I was going on an adventure, um, a role with Animals Asia came up Um, and to be honest I've never looked back, it's been such an amazing experience. I've been here just over four years now um, in Vietnam and I'm still learning new things every single day and it's amazing. And Animals Asia is just, they're like a family that's like working with your family, Um, very supportive and some really, really cool work um, that they're doing, that we're doing. Absolutely. Thank you
1: so much, Sarah. Can you talk a little bit about Animals Asia? What sort of organization is it? Some people, of course, listening will know it. Of course, we'll put a link to the organization. What is some of the work uh, that Animals Asia is doing and uh, specifically perhaps on what species or topics?
0: So um, Animals Asia... um, We don't just look after bears, Um, sort of our three main um, sort of programs are captive animal welfare. So working um, in China and Vietnam um, and with partners across Southeast Asia to improve the welfare and lives of um, any animal in captivity, whether it's a circus or a zoo, um, a safari park, anything like that. Um, We also have a strong focus on cat and dog welfare um, and among that sort of ending the dog meat trade. Um, And then the sort of the third part is the part that I'm involved in which is ending bear bile farming. So um, in 1999 Animals Asia sort of first came to Vietnam to have a look around at um, bear bile farming and the issues that they were having and at that point there was only around 400 bears on, ty- um, on farms. Um, by 2005, there were over 4,000 bears on farms um, and the government sort of realized they needed to stop. It. Um, so they introduced in 2005, um, a program of microchipping and registering all bears. Um, and from that point forward, there were not allowed to be any more bears coming into farms. Um, and if any new bear that came in after 2005 um, would be confiscated and the farm would be punished, um, which the regulation is still valid today, which is great. Um, Currently it is illegal to take bile from um, the bears in Vietnam. However, um, the, I guess, legislation is still in place that, you know, anyone that had bears before 2005 um, that has them microchipped, um, you know, they're allowed to still have them. So um, in 2017, Animals Asia signed in a Memorandum of Understanding with the Vietnamese government basically to close that loophole and get all of the bears off farms. So that's sort of what we're working towards now. Um, We're in a really exciting phase where um, we've sort of been doing a lot of work behind the scenes um, with that over the last few years and this year we hope to um, break ground and um, build the second sanctuary that can help to house the rest of the bears left um, on the bio farms. So our initial sanctuary is in Tamdao National Park, which is about um, about an hour north of Hanoi. And uh, we currently house 185 bears, um, 173 Asiatic black bears, or moon bears, um, and 12 Malayan sun bears. so these guys, they range range in age from um, they've just probably had their first birthday, Ang and M, our two littlest cubs who arrived in July last year, um, all the way up to um, Bridger and Zebedee who are two of our older males um, at 25 years. Um, and we house them in groups basically from one bear as a, we have some solo bears um, all the way up to 21 groups of 21 bears. So Um, It's quite diverse.
1: Fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing some of that background and the important work that you're doing on all levels and working with all kinds of facilities and people and policy and and governments to make changes for animals in in different countries. And of course, you already mentioned there's a lot of different uh, bears, uh, individuals in Mm -hmm. uh, your sanctuary that you're caring for with, uh, with all the other staff, of course. And uh, can you start to tell us a little bit about, you know, how do you take care of bears, like in general, in the, in the facility?
0: Um, so we have um, a large team of people. Um, we have bear carers and um, our bear carers take care of the bears kind of the day-to-day husbandry. So they're the ones doing the cleaning and the feeding and the putting the enrichment out and and like monitoring their behavior and doing observations and things like that. Um, And then we have a team of bear team supervisors and bear team managers who essentially oversee all of that. Um, And then we've got a fabulous vet team um, who carry out all of the sort of preventative health and um, regular health checks and things like that for the bears. and you know, of course, any any organization it takes you know thousands of people. Um, but we've got people across the globe helping out with um, fundraising and, and getting the story out there and, and raising awareness and things, as well as the sort of on the ground team doing the maintenance and the food preparation and all that. So it's a it's a huge team. Um, and so basically, what we do is um, we meet as a team. Um, In the sanctuary, a sanctuary team, we meet every morning at eight o'clock to plan for the day. Um, And then the teams go out and they do a first, um, like a first feed and enrichment session for the bears. Um, Let them all out into their enclosures, um, do some cleaning and then do a lot of observations. We're really lucky in that respect since our team is large enough that we have people observing the bears um, the whole day. It's really good. Um, we bring them in to the dens that I have. um, We call them bear houses. Um, So we have five double bear houses. So that's kind of like um, a den and enclosure set up um, on each side of a corridor. Um, We have two single bear houses um, and basically the bears come into the dens and are are shut in. And then the teams will go out into the enclosure to put out food and enrichment for them. um, And they do that. Um, around 8 a.m, 2 p.m and then in the evening we have to call them inside for the night so they're kept inside in the dens overnight um, because the weather in Vietnam is quite unpredictable and we do have some pretty sudden pretty bad storms sometimes so um, we have to sort of think about that safety aspect um, but yeah in the in the evening they get a lot of bedding brows and um, hessian sacks and and their last feed before they go to bed for the night. So um, yeah, the bears get yeah multiple enrichment sessions, lots of browse and bedding. Um, and because we care for them in such large groups, we're very um, conscious of sort of the group dynamic. And that's why it's so important to have those teams observing all the time. Um, we have to ensure that there's plentiful resources. So if we've got a group of 21, we, we don't want to have you know, just enough food or just enough enrichment or just enough baskets. We've got to make sure we've got plentiful um, so that there's not, not any competition over things. Um, but at the same time as managing large groups and large group dynamics, we also um, look at each of our bears as individuals and um, manage their individual needs. So it uh, can be quite tricky at times, um, as I'm sure you can imagine with 185 bears with 185 wildly different personalities. Um, and you know the fact that they've come from bear bile farms, it's, you, you can't just think about a normal bear because they're not normal bears. They're bears who've had horrific pasts. Have medical conditions, or I would say psychological conditions as well, that we have to manage. So um, it keeps us on our toes. Yes, I can only imagine. Um, and how wonderful that you have such
1: a big team and that you have so much opportunity also for behavior observations and uh, observing the animals and what they're doing throughout their day because that's not always possible uh, in facilities due to a lack of staff so that's really wonderful and also. Thank you for taking us like on a very quick, you know, trip through your day of what that looks like. And also the importance of like safety and things to consider like, you know, the weather. And uh, even though perhaps we would want to give animals open access all the time, you know, other concerns are are really real, like the weather and unexpected changes, so uh, that we make sure that they are safe. Uh, also in times that where, for example, we are sleeping. And um, you talked about different brows and enrichment and uh, and the the beds. Um, like I would love to hear all about those different things. So could we start with you know what is like what does a den look like? How do bears like to sleep? Uh, perhaps in their den. What do you do for them to sleep? do they sleep together alone uh, and also outside when they nap and so on tell us more about sleeping and relaxing in bears
0: oh it's um it's the thing that bears do best i've got to be honest (laughs) um so uh bear houses um in the dens there is basically these um, metal baskets um and when I say metal baskets, it sounds really, you know, uncomfortable. Um, but I would like everyone to know that I have lain in one of those metal baskets, and oh my gosh, <laughs> they're all so comfy. <laughs> so um, yeah, we have these these metal baskets, and um, in the evening we give them various um, brows. We call it brows, so like branches of uh, trees, basically. Um, uh, so different um types and they'll they'll pull that in the front and we put it in the bars through the bars at the front and they'll pull that in and they'll put it into their basket and arrange the leaves just so and make a nice cozy nest um we'll also offer things like uh, straw as bedding or um hessian sacks um we have these really great palm brooms they're like these basically just a giant dried palm leaf that the bears love as well. So they're very good at making nests. Um, but we also, we don't just provide that in the dens in the evening. We also provide it in the enclosure during the day. So um, the bears throughout the day have choice whether they want to have a, have a nap inside or whether they want to go outside. Um, there's a range of different structures for the bears to sleep on or underneath. There's hammocks. There's um, there's, uh, we call them digging pits. So basically just a, a, like a little a, a circular area with um, different substrates in it. So they can you know, go have a nap in the rice husks one day and maybe they're gonna have a nap um, in the bark the next day. Um, so lots of options for them. Um, we do get some bears who like to share a basket with their best friend and it's very cute. Um, we have two, two, two girls, um, Soul and Dio, um, and <laughs> they, they're not the smallest of bears, and I do wonder how they can squeeze into a basket together sometimes, but, but they do, and they love it, and <laughs> no one's gonna tell them that they can't. So. <laughs> um, it's so it's very, very cute when you see two giant moon bears squished together in one basket.
1: Yes, I I was uh, really delighted uh, to visit the uh, bear sanctuary in Chengdu and work with the team there some years ago. And I also saw two bears in a basket, and it was just like you say, so cute to see that. And and the baskets, you know, I I'm sure you know you know that this is an invention from Graham Law, uh, who's a, who was a dear friend. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but he was such. A driving force, such a force of nature, when it came to caring for animals and caring for bears and coming up with ideas on on how we could, you know, make them comfortable and give them options. And that bear basket um, is just delighted to see it everywhere, and also, of course, yeah. in, in the sanctuary. And hearing all these different places, I have a few different photos of bears on platforms and in hammocks, and they're all snoozing, yeah. <laughs> like you say, um, and just having the choice to kind of go around you know like um, where can I stroll to and sleep in and what do I fancy and that's just so wonderful talking about the choices and the control over the different options that you give to the bears uh, when when it comes only just you know we're talking sleeping places but of course you're doing that for many other things and could you share with us um maybe some of the sleeping or resting sort of behaviors or sounds or things that you have seen in the bears that are, that are nice uh, and interesting or fun to talk about?
0: Yeah, um, one thing I should have mentioned, but didn't, but will now, um, <laughs> is for our sun bears, we actually set up our dens differently. So obviously sun bears and moon bears are, you know, very different species, a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences too. And our sun bears um, tend to prefer to be up a bit higher. So um, in their dens, we actually have um, added in special platforms and hammocks so that they're, they've got just a wide range of um, sleeping places. And same for any younger bear groups that we have. So um, Ang and Em are two cubs. We made sure to put in a lot of extra height for them, they seem to feel more comfortable and more safe when they can sleep up high. Um, so we do. We have the standard sort of den set up with the baskets, but we also adapt it depending on the bear's sort of um, ability and age and things. Um, we have Dream Misha Tibbs, who is a world famous snoozer. Um, <laughs> she is um, got quite a few um, medical mobility issues, um, with, um, kind of severe kyphosis of her back and she's got missing pores and things. Um, so she lives by herself, but her basket is nice and low for her. So she doesn't have to climb so much, um, into it, but, um, she is, uh, one of our best examples of a bear in dormancy. She, um, will sleep for like four five months at a time and she just loves it she'll um build a huge nest of straw and you kind of come into the into the into the bear house in the morning walk down to her den to give her her medication and you know you have to pull out the really really long spoon on the bamboo pole because she kind of rolls over and just looks at you with these like eyes like you sure I want to get up because I'm not (laughs) so we deliver the medication to her on the spoon and she kind of rolls over and goes back to sleep and (laughs) um so she's very famous around the sanctuary for having a good sleep we had um an overnight watch on a bear once um it was his first time outside and he couldn't figure out how to come back inside so um because he's blind so we stayed with him overnight um just in shifts until he could figure out how to come inside. Um, but as we stayed there, the sounds that coming out of the bear houses in the evening were hilarious. Um, a lot of snoring happens, um, lots of farting, even um, some secret friendships, which is was really fascinating. Um, we we watched two bears who hadn't been seen during the day spending any time together um, wrestling on the floor at like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. So um, yeah, that was really very sweet. Um, We have some bears who just prefer to sleep. Um, And so we, when we're trying to recall them into the dens, they kind of sleeping in the enclosure, look up at you and just, no. <laughs> so as you said before, it really is all about choice. And, you know, as much as we want to have them all come into the dens in the evening um, or at 2pm so we can put food out for the rest of the bears, sometimes um, their desire to sleep wins out. Um, we we also have a lot of bears who are very good um, nest builders. Um, so one of our sun bears, David, um, in particular, is so fascinating to watch in the evening he as soon as he's finished eating he finds the first bit of browse that he can he takes it up into his basket and he'll spend about 10 minutes snapping branches um kind of pouring it around in the basket until he gets it just so um which is very very entertaining to watch um and who else do we have um zebedee he's ex- been making himself a little nest um, underneath a table so he's sort of pulled up all the grass until it's just this nice cool dirt patch um, because we're getting into summer now and he's he sort of made himself a little nest under there and especially in um, sort of autumn coming into winter when the bears might go into dormancy we get a lot of bears building nests under platforms so kind of scraping up the ground bringing in any bidding that they want and then just snoozing. That all sounds wonderful. I
1: really, really enjoy hearing these sorts of stories and details from, you know, people who work directly with animals. Um, it gives so many insights and you also mentioned something really interesting about like secret friendships, like, you know, <laughs> We know so much about the animals often during the day because that's when we are active and at the facility, Uh, but we might not always have an opportunity to know what animals are doing at night. Uh, So getting those glimpses and getting insights on, yeah, who likes to hang out with who, what sort of behaviors. Um, You of course also mentioned, you know, that some animals because of their history and the trauma that they have, for both physical and psychological trauma you know that might be expressed not only in like how you have to adapt for their environment uh, so that it's easier to move around or climb into things or down but also you know what might be the the needs for those animals from a psychological safety perspective so it's really great to hear how much um you're doing around behavior observations and getting insights uh, into the animals and I also really enjoy this uh, because I can you know like you say until it's like just so right and it's mm-hmm. when, just think about when we are going to sleep you know your pillow has to be just so or you know like also the choices of having the opportunity to build um, or, or create something so that it is to the temperature and so that you like. So I really, really enjoy that. Thank you for sharing uh, some glimpses of bears and and their sleeping habits. And you know, I one of the things that I'm very interested in is is animal friendships and you know who they like to hang out with and you know and why and what are some of the behaviors that they like doing together or. Um, you know, so can you tell us a little bit about some of the, of the friendships that, uh, that are there at the sanctuary?
0: Yeah, there are so many diverse friendships and diverse stories of how they became friends. Um, it's, it's always something really exciting to me when I see a bear playing with a new friend. Um, so actually just yesterday for the very first time I saw two bears um, called Ang Sang and Boo playing together. And um, they, Boo has only been in that group for, what are we? Maybe two, two and a half months now. And um, Ang Sang has only ever had one friend, Mia. So two females, Mia and Ang Sang. Um, Aang Sung's never shown any interest in any other bear Um, but she's actually um, cycling at the moment so um, she's taken um, a fascination with uh, Boo Boo who's one of our um, male bears. Um, He's a big buff head, he loves to play and wrestle, Um, he can be a bit pushy at times um, when he first met Aang Sang during the integration, he really wanted to play with her and she was like, oh no, <laughs> she, she wouldn't have a bar of it. Um, but I guess now that she seems to be cycling, she's a lot more receptive to him. So she, we noticed over sort of the last couple of days, she started to become quite flirtatious and um, sniffing him and sort of starting to welcome him into her space. Um, and then yesterday they started playing together. Um, and I mentioned earlier that, you know, I learned something every day. Well, yesterday was this brand new vocalization from um, Aang Sang that I had not heard from any bear before um, in my four and a bit years experience. And it was fascinating and hilarious. Um, we couldn't tell if she was kind of egging him on or, or trying to get him away. But her um, body language was saying, yes, keep playing. Let's keep playing. But yeah. It was it was really really funny but um, we have a lot of seasonal friendships like that so um, you know you might find a female starts cycling and she'll um, form a really strong friendship with um, one of the other bears that maybe she hasn't been friends with um, before so um, we've got a group of 21 younger bears um, and in that group we have Birgit and Hector and Berget um for years she's you know had some friends to play with and you know just generally kind of got along well with everyone in her group but you know can be a bit stroppy at times um but something clicked for her with Hector and they those two spent a good two months together not leaving each other's side um just kind of obsessed with each other and um, it seems now that um, she's dumped him um and she's sort of gone back to her more um, friendly but not obsessive existence. (laughs) Um, We also have um, coming into winter when the bears are going to go into dormancy we get a lot of um, really strong female pairings. Um, It's it's really fascinating Um, but uh, for example we've got Ray and Elise and for uh, what like eight nine months of the year they couldn't care less about each other you know they don't dislike each other but they don't you know go out of their way to spend time together or do anything but come into um into sort of coming up to dormancy and you you can't separate them they're sharing baskets they're following each other around everywhere um sort of Elise takes the lead and she, she wanders around foraging and Ray just kind of toddles along behind her, clucking to her. Um, and then, you know, Ray will, if any other bears come in close, Ray's going to protect her best friend Elise and, and growl at the other bears to keep them away from her. Um, and they sort of go into dormancy together for a month or two and then they wake up and, and that's it. They're done until next season.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I actually watched that little video you talked about with the sound and it sounds like giggling almost. It was really, I've nice. never heard it, but I'm not a bear. Uh, I've never really worked with bears in that way. So uh, it was really, yeah, it must be so exhilarating um, you know, to see it anyway, and then also learn something completely new. Um,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. It was, we, um, someone commented on that video, but also we talked about it that it, it sounded almost like a, when a chimpanzee laughs, you know, when they're doing that play right. laugh. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I'd like to hope it's a positive noise for her.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, there's, uh, of course, lots of things to say about um, facial expressions and, and mm-hmm. a smile in a bear um, mm-hmm. that I hear uh, bear people talk about. So, um, yeah, actually, could you talk a little bit uh, on that? You know what? Uh, what does that look like? Uh, you know what does a happy bear look like, like facial wise or body expression wise?
0: Um, well, we do definitely Get a lot of t- tongues hanging out sometimes, um, <laughs> and we have we have some bears. We just call them our smiling bears because I think it's just the way the way their muzzle is shaped and the way their sort of fur coloration and pattern looks. Um, they just look like they've got a permanent grin on their face. But okay. um, generally they just look relaxed. They're just, to me, uh, like a happy bear is one that's just, you know, relaxed in that peace of their environment. They don't mind that another bear is nearby or they don't mind that, you know, some human is watching them through the fence and taking photos and laughing at them because they're doing something silly and, um, they, yeah, they, I, I can't, it's really hard to describe. Um, but one really interesting thing is um, I read a paper a while ago on sunbear facial expressions and, and mimicking and um, it got me really excited. So I went down to our sunbear enclosure to watch some of the bears um, and I could see it. And so when, when the sunbears are playing together, they mimic each other's um, facial expressions and, um, kind of I guess is a sign that you know we're playing and it's not serious and so um you know if one of them sort of opens its mouth with but without showing teeth the other one will do that too um and yeah it was really it was really cool to see what I read about sort of firsthand um in person and um our sun bears are just really really interesting anyway like we've only got 12 of them but Gosh, those twelve sand bears cause as much enclosure destruction as the 173 moon bears. Um, they're so active and so engaged, and we're constantly, you know, coming up with new structures or new toys we can build for them and give them. Um, and their dynamic changes a lot as well. We um, had um, Mr. Dave, who's um, one of our oldest sunbears um, be integrated into a group of um, the group a few years ago. And he and Nelson, who's one of our um, other older male sunbears, oh, they did not get along. They did not like each other for the longest time. And we watched them and we studied them and we tried different things like changing things in the enclosure more often, creating more movable structures so that we could break up any sort of if they were thinking of like having territories or anything like that, we tried so many things. And then one day we came in and they were best friends, playing and wrestling and loving each other. And I I don't know what changed, but we that happens, it seems to happen, you know, regularly. You might have two bears that just really don't get along. You know, they hold a grudge over something that happened in the integration or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden something sort of changed and they're like, oh, actually, you're okay. Let's play. Um, so those those friendships are always really exciting to watch blossom. Nice. And so you talked about
1: seasonal friendships. Um, mm-hmm. Are there also bears that have been at the sanctuary for a longer time that like at some point became friends and they're still friends and they're friends like through the dormancy and you know they just hang out
0: all the time they just like being together, totally. Um, a few different kind of I guess types of those friends I guess. Um, we've got a lot of siblings. Um, so uh, in the house that's got the large group of younger beers that I mentioned before, um, we've got Nora Jam Jack and Sunshine and um, they were rescued together. Um, if anyone's looking up Animals Asia videos, look up um, the video of Misty and Rain in the bubble bath. Um, that's them, it's, they're super cute. Um, and so they're always together there and sharing a basket. And then we've also got in the same group, Ricky and Joey, these big handsome boys um, that again, siblings love, love each other, have always loved each other. Um, We also have some um, who've come from the same farm and and got really strong friendships like um, Maple and Dolly. They're they're these two older females. They're both missing a paw. They both sleep a lot. um, And they're very, very rarely apart. Um, They just love each other. Um, and we have some, I guess, kind of the opposite, right, where um, we have some bears who it's taken us a really long time to find their fit, to find their friends and find their group. Um, it's another reason those observations are so important because, you know, if if something's not right for a bear, we don't want to leave them there. We want to help them. So... Um, we had Sam come in. She's a small female and she is missing one eye. Um, and she had a few um, attempts to find friends that weren't successful um, until one day she met Irene. Um, and it was not love at first sight, but they grew on each other and then they became completely inseparable. Um, and it just took... Sam so long and it was so nice to finally find her, find her groove and find her friends. Um, And she actually, um, in the last few months, she's been cheating on Irene a little bit with Kaz, who's Kaz is our smallest moon bear. She's a little pocket rocket. She is one of those bears that only has seasonal friendships. Um, So this season, her friend has, been Sam she's decided Um, she used to be not very nice to Sam she used to keep her away from her food which I guess is fair enough Um, but now yeah she's obsessed with Sam just wants to be everywhere with her so um, we'll see if that's going to last just the season or if if Irene's going to have a bit of competition
1: Wonderful. I think I saw a video at some point on uh, because, of course, I am uh, following all these fabulous bears anytime I can. Uh, something about mm-hmm. Sam and Irene, you know, um, you know, obviously you you teach the pairs all kinds of behaviors that can help you care for them, including recalling them to come inside. Yeah. And um, and, you know, you had a post along the lines of like Sam and Irene nailing the recall. Not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like yeah right uh, and, yeah. and it, it strokes so nicely with what you talked about like you know is it on their terms or their time or on yours or you know you mm-hmm. might have to come back and try again they're like no nah, not right now we're doing something else yeah. so uh, yeah for people who are not actually working with bears or don't necessarily know a lot about moon bears or sun bears um, I think, you know, in general, probably people have maybe an idea that bears are pretty kind of solitary, you know, they mm-hmm. are by themselves. So why would they be having friends anyway? Right. They only come together mm-hmm. maybe when they mate. Um, so could you talk a little bit about, you know, the biology of these two species? And, you know, obviously, you know, life uh, under human care is different, but um, maybe a little bit of background there to uh, for more understanding.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I guess both species we look after do tend to be more solitary or sort of family groups in the wild, um, unless there's an area of plentiful resources. Um, I guess you can kind of liken it to the the salmon run and the the brown bears. But kind of we're faced with this unique situation of, you know, wanting to rescue and rehabilitate and provide um, a better life for these um, ex-bio bears. And so we don't have the space or facilities to house them um, all singly. Um, But also the companionship in the absence of having to compete seems to really help a lot of them with their rehabilitation. So, you know, I talked about how we provide an abundance of resources to make sure that there is no competition. And so I think reducing that sort of pressure on them leaves them free to be, I guess, a bit more relaxed or um, to show those playful behaviours. And we have um, had some bears in the past who just really sort of struggled to find their groove into sanctuary life until we've actually given them another bear to sort of be their friend, to learn from. And um, yeah, so it, it's really, it's really interesting. Cause yeah, like you say, you'd think, why, why are you guys holding, you know, bears in big groups? But it works and it's, you know what we have to do to ensure we can provide really good care to as many bears as possible. Absolutely, um,
1: yeah, and I was uh, absolutely not, um, you know, questioning it, it was more, oh, like people yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah, wondering maybe about it. And you give such an mm. important example already from the wild. We, you know, you see like the salmon run, there's a whole bunch of bears there together because there's an opportunity to be in the same space. And, uh, you know, like uh, 13 polar bears on top of a whale carcass. And um, mm-hmm. so, and I think it's such a wonderful way also to talk about what solitary means, right? Be Being, mm-hmm. um, even as a primate, a human primate, there's, you know, f- almost 400 species, I believe, of primates. They have different sorts of social groupings and structures. Yeah. And so is also true for bears. So even hearing, you know, that they might be in smaller um. Family groups and backgrounds, but the important part of caring for animals in human care is, of course, different. And you know, making sure there's so many opportunities and abundance for them, mm-hmm. and that part of healing. So having somebody uh, to be with, to get strength from. Uh, so that's really, I think, it's so important uh, to highlight. You know why this is important and how you're doing it. Uh, so thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and kind of like I was saying before, you know, like being in a group isn't right for all of the bears, you know, like dreamisha tips. We can't, we can't put her with another bear cause she'd um, be too compromised. She's just so um, sort of physically um, vulnerable. If anything was to happen to her, um, you know, we've got some, some bears um, like Myrtle and Amelia, who are just so strongly bonded to each other that we can't, we haven't found any other bears to put them with because they're just so jealous, (laughs) you know, they don't want to share their best friend. Um, And, you know, we've had bears who might have been part of one group and, you know, we might notice that they are, not foraging well or they're very stereotypic or maybe they're showing signs of aggression or things like that and so any time we sort of notice things like that we we kind of hone in on that and try and figure out why that is and you know is that group it might have been the right fit for them originally they might have been really happy for a few years but maybe they're not anymore and you know we've had that with um, one of our females, Manga. Um, She sort of didn't have many friends in her original group um, and she started to become a bit stroppy. And so we got to the point where we decided, well, let us try her with a different group. We put her with a different group and she's got, you know, more friends now and she's much happier. So we're always adapting and adjusting to what the bears are telling us and you know sometimes they tell us one thing for a couple of years but then they change their mind and they tell us something different so we listen and you know respond and try and figure out what's what's best for them and what they want yes absolutely and you
1: name a few very important topics here also that you shine light on you know having animals in a group doesn't necessarily mean that they get long uh, that they are getting support from each other, that they, you know, can be friends and and also that it can change. And that we really need to sometimes, you know, especially when we are having to put animals together or because of space restrictions or so on, um, we might actually call, you know, put animals together and call them, this is a group, you know, uh, but then we don't always, you know, take the time and energy to do the things that you just talked about, to really look like, I have done observations of groups of animals with one for weeks or months at the time where I saw that one animal, you know, was trying to maybe be or get interaction and just never, right? Um, and, mm. and so this animal was always alone because nobody really wanted to interact with this animal Because but that animal wanted to interact. And unfortunately yeah. in some facilities, you we couldn't make those changes. Uh, but you know, like you say, being sensitive and constantly looking for what are they trying to tell us, and um, and and I really liked you mentioned briefly stroppy, you know, or, or some sort of, you know, what are some of the personalities uh, out there? Like you said, there's lots of strong personalities. Can you talk yeah. about you know different personalities and um, uh, in the bears and how that maybe you know affects? some of the connections they're making or, and also importantly, if you could talk um, about how you interact with the bears uh, from like the humans with the with the bears based perhaps on their personality.
0: Mm. So um, when, when the bears first come in, like after we've rescued them, they have a quarantine period. And sort of during that quarantine period, we start to get to know them and get to know their personalities and um, sort of think about, where they might be a good fit Um, but that's also the time that we start trying to rebuild the relationship that you know humans have ruined by doing horrific things to them so um, we start to sort of build rapport and trust with them Um, sort of just by basically just being the person who gives them all of the good things so doing like hand feeding of, of really high reward things like dried fruit or you know a bit of honey or jam on a spoon and just you know talking to them getting them used to sort of us moving around and our voices and and things like that um so that when we finish quarantine and they move um it's you know they're at least used to sort of part of the process of you know having the humans around and and having sort of a bit of a relationship with them um, and so when they come out of quarantine we sort of put them into their new house you know we watch really closely for how they're doing and things and um, different bears take really really different time and really different ways of adapting to you know, life at the sanctuary. So um, we had a couple of years ago, Skye come in. Skye is the biggest bear we've ever rescued. She was about 243 kilograms, I think. She was huge. Um, She used to steal the um, tool that we use to pull, um, you know, old brows and enrichment out of the the quarantine um, sort of cage that they're in. She used to steal it and bend it. Um, she was very grumpy with us yeah, when she first came in. Um, but as soon as we, <laughs> as soon as we started, you know, doing that rapport building and, and getting her used to us, she just turned into this total sweetheart and she would just sitting there waiting for you mouth open. Come on, put the treats in here. I'm ready. <laughs> um, and so she uh, came in around the same time as a group of five, and her first friend was a male from that group of five. And um, they were really, really strongly bonded. Um, and then we put those two into a larger group. Um, and so it was a really interesting process watching Sky go from this grumpy, tool stealing, Kind of intimidating giant bear um, to this, you know, giant sweetheart who's making friends and rolling around on the ground um, playing with toys. Um, and the first sort of what's really interesting is doing the difference between doing an integration. Um, so integration is what we call, I guess, introducing the bears, making our groups, making our friendships. Um, it's really interesting doing an integration between new bears. So bears who are just coming out of quarantine um, compared to bears who have been in a group or been in the sanctuary for a longer period of time. Um, New bears tend not to understand bear behavior and cues. And so if you have, a group of sort of experienced um, sort of really nice bears like ZBD, like Boo Boo, they're both sweethearts. Um, they'll kind of forgive any any, you know, bear behavior mistakes that a new bear might make and just kind of be patient and teach them. But sometimes when you put two new bears together, that you can see, you can see the confusion. You can see that they really want to play. They want to know this other bear, but you can see that they're hesitant and, and they're not quite sure why that bear's doing that thing. What am I supposed to do? So um, it's really interesting watching them sort of learn and grow. And I think that's one of the big reasons that friendships and things do change over the years um, because as they get sort of more experienced and they learn more, um they, you know, they kind of get comfortable and, and, and used to things because you've got to imagine a lot of the bears on these bio farms, they wouldn't have come in as adults. Um, they' likely more likely would have come in as cubs um, or young bears. And so you know, taken away from mum in their crucial learning periods and then stuck into a solitary cage with no, no form of stimulation um so it's yeah it's really interesting watching them learn how to make a friend and it's just not as straightforward as you would think and I think it's even you know for those people out there working in in zoos you know you know introductions um are difficult um and they take time but you know working with these kind of bears who don't even know their own species behavior sometimes is um yeah it's really it's hard work but it's fascinating and it just it does wonders for them it really does
1: yes and it's so important to tell these sorts of stories and how of course you know what they have experienced and how that has shaped their life and and i think it's amazing all the things you know just to see the resilience in the animals also and how they bounce back Uh, Through, you know, being with other bears and being with you and the whole team and caring for them and making it up to them right the things that that um, yeah that like that. Confidence or that trust that they had in humans and uh, recreating that and that they can and for me one of the most amazing things that I saw in China. Uh, was the bears stepping straight back into a cage, you know, to be moved somewhere. Mm -hmm. You would, you know, I think it's that sort of resilience that also, especially in our jobs, we have so many, I call them joys, right? The things that are just so beautiful Mm -hmm. that we get pleasure from. But we also are exposed to really terrible things and especially in the work that you are doing, um, you know, and it's these stories of healing and how they heal that also help us heal um yeah. when when we're feeling you know uh, sad or frustrated and angry and everything else with the things that are done to animals that we would never wish that happens to them and just seeing how they can recover and bounce back and make friends again and learn uh, to be bears or and stepping back into cages <laughs> that was for me like wow you know that is just uh, really extraordinary
0: I, I was the same when yeah. i when i first started um and I was being, you know, taught how to be a bear manager. And they're like, right, well, okay, this is how we weigh them. This is how we transport them to the hospital for a health check. We ask them to walk into this transport cage, and we close them in and, you know, wheel them up. I, my mind was blown. You know, I'm, I was so used to the zoo background of, you know, den knockdowns and things like that that seeing a bear who I knew had had the most traumatic of backgrounds in horrific conditions just really happily walk into a transport cage like no problems i was it was amazing
1: yes it truly is it truly is um amazing to see that and it's it's so good um, and i really love the stories of the bears helping each other and and of course people helping bears and bears helping people right um we're almost coming to the end of the podcast but uh, i would love to hear maybe you could talk to us a little bit about like what are some of the activities that you that you see the bears really enjoying or you know or what happens when they squabble like friends squabble and how Mm -hmm. do they make up or um yeah how can you uh, do you have some examples for us
0: Yeah, so um, some of my sort of most fun memories are watching the bears interact with their sort of enrichment or interact with each other. Um, One of the things on our enrichment calendar is um, like smears um, of scent and um, the favourite is shrimp paste. It, um, to me, it smells awful. <laughs> but to the bears, you put it on something in the enclosure, and they just rub and roll and drool and rub some more. And they just they just love it. Um, and it's really I love watching the bears wrestle in the pool together because um, you know obviously in Vietnam it gets really hot, uh, really, really hot. And so, you know, they still want to keep playing. So they take it into the pool and it's a pool party. And, you know, I've seen up to eight bears in a, a, you know, pool in an enclosure, just playing and relaxing and just hanging out together. It's really nice to see. Um, We have quite a few bears. um, Some of our bears that are really good friends are very, very tall bears. And so you they, you go to watch them and you're sort of standing at the fence line watching these two big bears like Humphrey and Jeffrey, wrestling with each other and you just feel like dwarfed by just everything about the moment, you know, just how tall they are and how strong they are and how resilient they are. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, I could probably spend all of my day watching the bears, but then um, I wouldn't. Be a very good senior bear team manager. Um, <laughs> yeah, I also love watching them um, interact with new things. Um, so we made wobble trees. Um, so we started by trialling it in the sun bear enclosure, um, kind of figuring they're pretty small but pretty strong and pretty destructive. So we'd see how they went before we rolled it out with the bigger moon bears. Um, they loved it but watching them use it the first time and they were super fascinated but really cautious and sort of pushing on it and and giving it a big shove and things fell out and it was like Christmas time it was it was really sweet and so we um, decided to roll this out and put a wobble tree in in all of our enclosures Um, and so that's 10, 11, 12, 13... 13 enclosures, 13 wobble trees. Um, And so far, we've only found one group who is not allowed the wobble tree. (laughs) That is the group in um, house eight. They're the ones that I keep talking about, the large group of 21 younger bears. And um, they are so destructive. They bent the metal pole. We put concrete inside it and they bent and broke that too. So um, it's uh, not an enrichment for them. But everyone else is really enjoying it. Um, <laughs> they um, we like to try lots of different things with them as well, and I really enjoy watching the different techniques that they have. Um, so we've got Merrick's. Um, he is this gorgeous older bear, um, pretty blind, but he just loves life. And you give him um, anything, sort of on. Not really a rope, but like because we don't really use. We're starting to sort of phase out using rope into this nylon webbing material. But you give him a length of nylon webbing, and he just likes to fling it around karate style. He's waving it around. Um, he just has the best time with it, and um, you know we give them uh, boomer balls with you know a small hole and you know some dog food or something inside, and. We've got Malagro who takes it in his paws and rolls onto his back and kind of, you know, uses his legs to kick it until um, the dog food falls out. Whereas Arthur, he just pushes the ball along the the ground until it just falls out onto the ground and he kind of just trails after it, picking up the food. Um, It's really, really interesting watching them problem solve and um, just try and figure things out Um, and that problem solving comes into our training conditioning program. Um, So we've made a really conscious effort to not just um, train our bears but train our people. And so we've gone from um, two or three people training basic behaviours in our bears to a team of 21 people training anything from a basic behaviour like Target. Um, right up to more complex behaviors, like we've just started training um, a bear to have his blood pressure taken conscious. So um, that sort of, yeah, problem solving is, is really, it's really interesting watching the bears problem solve, but now also watching the team problem solve as they learn how to sort of work with the bears and figure out what the bears is trying to tell them and, and what they're telling the bears, um, why they're getting that behavior.
1: Wonderful! Thank you so much. That was really. I remember seeing a video about Merrick with. It's actually a really nice construction. It's a pole, and it has like a balancing, you know, yes. pole with a rope, and he's like, yeah. you know, like pulling it and rolling it and tapping it with his little foot, and yeah, it's just really. Yeah. Uh, that wonderful. was.
0: Yeah, I I I remember that. It's a recent one. That was Merrick's. Um, We were doing. We do drills. We practice, you know, emergency situations, and we were doing an emergency recall drill. So, recalling the bears at a different time of day than you know their normal times. Um, Clearly, Merricks didn't get the emergency part, and he just (laughs) no. That that rope and
1: all that fun was the emergency. So. Um, (laughs) Wonderful, yeah. I'm so glad you you shared, you know, some glimpses uh, of all the wonderful, you know, stories of bears and friendships and squabbles. And, you know, of course the importance of how you work together uh, with, like you say, global team of all kinds of people in different roles, you know, making a change for these individual bears and uh, ending uh, bile farming. Uh, and thanks so much also for sharing how you care for them, the enrichment, you know, the observations, the training and uh, the stories also of healing. Uh, that's really, really wonderful. and I can't wait to have you back for more stories uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Sarah.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Um... I love talking about bears, so um, I really enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, that was completely clear, and uh, and I have enjoyed it a lot, and I'm sure others will too. We'll make sure to link to, um, you know, of course, Animals Asia and, you know, videos and also it was very interesting you talking about the Sun Bear paper, you know, and always, you know, this willingness that you talked about so much about learning something new and being open to, you know, uh, like integrating scientific observations and uh, seeing everything in maybe a different light again, so we'll, we'll put a link to that as well and Thank you again so much, Sarah, for coming onto the podcast.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, the end of another
1: podcast. And of course, as you know, well-being for you and your animals is too important not to get right. And at Animal Concepts, we help you care for animals and for yourself to be at your best and achieve excellence in animal care and welfare. And Pause is the first online platform combining human and animal well-being science and practice where you can get education and tools and resources so you and the animals can flourish. So follow the link in the podcast description to become a member today.